Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Um, as always, why don't we get started here on this Thursday afternoon here at the noon hour with the Angelus before we get into our show. I think we have a great show today. Um, it's been building. Hopefully you've been listening to the last couple of shows. Um, they've been building up to this one a little bit, and we're going to talk about some very important things, especially when it comes to relationships. But let's go ahead and get started with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, welcome to today's show. Before we get started, a <clears throat> um, few announcements I want to make. Actually, they tie into the show, so as we get started in the show. Today I'm going to be talking about marriage, and we'll be talking about intimacy in marriage. Um, if you listen to the last two shows, uh, not last week's show, but the show before that was on trauma, and I think it's important to discuss trauma from the perspective of what we call complex trauma, or trauma um, that we've been experiencing our whole lives over time, little by little, um, living in toxic environments or toxic cities or toxic places uh, where whether our parents didn't have a very good relationship and they didn't know how to parent us, whether we grew up in a place where there was a lot of war and it was a war-torn area, anything that might have affected us over time. Normally we think of trauma as one discrete event, but what we've come to realize is that trauma is something that is, can be occurring to a person over, over their lifetime. And I always mention, you know, when we say that kids are resilient, um, if they're going through, you know, parents are getting divorced or if they were abused in any way, or if, uh, you know, they were in a terrible school situation, whatever the case may be, if we've been exposed to trauma events over time, um, we can say that kids are resilient, but the reality is as we get older, we start to process these events and we start to see that they've shaped who we are as people. And that can be very challenging. How do we overcome that? How do we get better at that? And those are important questions to ask because at some point we're going to want to get married. We're going to want to have friendships. We're going to want to have relationships with other people. And the way that we relate to other people is based on what we know relationships to be. And it can be very challenging to say, gosh, if I was abused by my parents, 
how am I going to be as a parent myself? Should I even be a parent? Should I even get married? Um, you know, I saw my parents fighting all the time. Is that going to mean that I'm going to be in a, in a terrible marriage where we're going to be arguing all the time? I don't know. I don't have those answers, but it's something that we need to ask ourselves so that we can at least start asking the questions and we can start working on something towards the future. This is where we got to recognize that the only thing we really bring to a marriage is ourselves. You know, we marry somebody else and if we put expectations on somebody else, that can lead to uh, a dangerous place emotionally because we're always going to be left wanting more because we're not perfect and we can't be perfect to each other, but I can perfectly try to love my spouse. And there's a difference. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And that's what we talked about in our last show. So the show before last was on trauma and what that means. Our last show was on, am I able to focus on my spouse or am I expecting my spouse to focus on me? And that can be a problem. If all I'm doing now, let's back up a little bit. There should be an expectation that my spouse is going to know who I am because that's what they promised to do when we got married. And if we ever find ourselves in a relationship where it turns abusive or the spouse where we feel ignored, neglected, um, in a dangerous way, in an emotionally dangerous way, um, then we need to ask ourselves, is this still a marriage? Is this still happening? Do we need to seek spiritual counseling? Do we need to ask ourselves, is there grounds for an annulment here? Because um, the person is either going through mental illness and doesn't have the capacity to uh, love me. The person is not, you know, keeping up their end of the bargain of the marriage agreement because they're into really bad things or something along those lines. But if it's one of these things where I feel ignored, Um, I got to ask myself too, does my spouse feel ignored? Am I ignoring my spouse? It's much more complex and it's really on a case by case basis, but we have to realize that relationships are complicated. So with that in mind, um, today we're going to talk about intimacy in marriage. Uh, and I want to remind all all of our listeners and let us let them know that, uh, we are going to be having a marriage and family conference coming up. Uh, that's going to be led by myself, uh, Dr. Sandoval, by Mary Danielle and Terry Barber. Um, we're all going to be speaking at this conference and we're going to talk about what marriage is, marriage and family, what relationships are. We're going to, we haven't picked all the topics yet, but this is where I would ask if anybody has any particular topics they would like to hear, um, anything within marriage and family. It could be as intimate about our sexual relationships. It can be about our relating to each other as people. It can be about educating our children because those are what I consider the big three things in, in marriage. Um, you know, having intimacy, having a relationship and, and having a family. Um, that conference is going to be Saturday, May 7th, 2022, uh, here at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel, which is located at 381, uh, West Center Street <clears throat> here in Covina, California. Okay. So again, that's going to be Saturday, May 7th, 2022 here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. I uh, hope everybody can register for that. The other thing I want to let our listeners know, if anybody was not able to make it to our last uh, conference, which was the Spiritual Warfare Conference, uh, we held that over at the St. Joseph Church in Pomona. But if you weren't able to to attend, there were some great talks. Father Chad Ripperger and Kyle Clemens gave us great talks on spiritual warfare. You can still go onto our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, and you can order those recordings. Um, They're important to have, I think, because we also don't want uh, anything negative coming into our our relationships. Even if we're trying, especially if we're trying to live a sacramental life, it can be very challenging spiritually when all of a sudden things might try to take it apart. And it's a good way to remember that, you know, we have to continue our spiritual life. We have to continue praying. We have to continue turning our hearts to God before we can even turn our hearts to our spouse in order to keep a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship. Now, 
Last week, we talked about, you know, am I focusing on my spouse or am I just waiting for my, sp- my spouse to focus on me? Uh, we read a little article on somebody who was uh, not happy and saying that, gosh, I don't feel that my spouse sees me emotionally. They don't see me for the complex person that I am and things along those lines. And that's what happens. And then all of a sudden we start to really live a divorce life. And what I mean by that is a lot of times people feel like, you know, if we're going to get a divorce and let's say we got married and we're going to get a divorce or we're thinking about getting a divorce and they feel like, no, we're still married, but we haven't signed the divorce papers. And a lot of times people will say, gosh, you know, we signed, we got a divorce. How do you know? Because we signed some divorce papers. Usually by the time you sign the divorce papers, you've been divorced for a long time. Because what does it really mean to be divorced? It means to not be married, to not be living like a married couple. But then we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be living like a married couple? What it really means is that we are engaged in each other's lives because that's what we promise to do. But it's not that I'm waiting for you to be engaged in my life. It's that I'm going to be engaged in your life. Today's show, we want to talk a little little bit more about, um, more specifically, intimacy in marriage because I get a lot of questions from couples uh, saying, we're not intimate anymore. We don't know how to be intimate. And, um, you know, there's different questions about, uh, gosh, who's initiating, you know, we're, he's mad because I'm not initiating or she's mad because she's not, or, you know, the other way around, she's not initiating. And, um, that seems to be a big theme for a lot of couples. So if you're hearing this and if, if you've emailed me about any of these topics, you're not alone in this one. Um, it's very, very common, whether it be in therapy, whether it be even in relationships, gosh, who initiates intimacy? And what does that mean? And, and you don't initiate intimacy, so I'm not going to be intimate with you physically. And, and we, we no longer have sex and um, because I'm not going to initiate, but I'm waiting for you to initiate. But then remember that one time I initiated and you turned me away. So if that's the case, I'm never going to initiate again. Um, you know, and we get into these emotional battles. We start having emotional daggers thrown at each other. Why? Because we're hurt because there's a part of us that's hurt. If you listen to my last show, I said, the most important thing to bring to the marriage relationship is myself and my vulnerable self. And we have to do that for each other. If I can bring my vulnerable self to the relationship and you can bring your vulnerable self to the relationship and we can see each other for who we are and lift each other up and not hold each other's weaknesses or what's perceived weaknesses against each other, but recognize that, yeah, I know that that's how you can be. And I love you anyway. That's where the marriage lies. You know, I see who you are and I love you. Notice that I did not wait to say, wow, the marriage lies in, you see who I am and you love me, so I will marry you. That doesn't make sense. Really, in, in a sacramental marriage. It makes sense in a, in a worldly marriage, in a societal marriage, right? Gosh, I, why did we get a divorce? Because they don't love me anymore, because I don't feel loved. Well, the real question there is, if you're going to ask it from a sacramental marriage point of view, is are you loving them? Do you know that your spouse feels loved by you? Are you making sure that they feel loved by you? Are you making that effort for them to feel loved? And it's interesting because by the time we get to the point of, gosh, you know, there's no sexual intimacy anymore. We're not physically intimate for each other or with each other. Um, Usually a lot of things have gone wrong before then. You know, a a whole lot of things have gone wrong before then. Um, And and it's uh, it's sad at that point because a lot of couples come and, and they'll tell me, no, it's not working anymore. How do I know? Because, yeah, because we're not intimate anymore. So, so we're going to get a divorce. Well, usually what I tell spouses is you got to look at all the steps that happened before you got to that point where you're not physically intimate. Because trust me, that's not, that's not the, the problem in the relationship. We're going to talk a little bit more, more about that when we come back from the break. And we're going to look at where do marriages, where do relationships break down to get to the point that we're no longer physically intimate and now it's a problem. 
more when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we are talking about a very important topic. We are going to have the conference coming up on uh, marriage and family. That's going to be May 7th, uh, May 7th, 2022 here. It's a Saturday. It's going to be from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. <clears throat> Feel free to go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org to register. It's going to be $35 for one person, or it's going to be $50 for married couples. Um, we're going to have talks. I'm going to be giving talks myself on the topics of marriage and family. Uh, there will also be talks by Mary Danielle and Terry Barber. Um, so anytime uh, you guys can get on our website and register for that, I think it'll be very important. It'll be very informative. Also, feel free to email me at doctor, that's dr.sandovalvmpr. If there's any particular topics you'd like to listen to or anything you'd like to hear uh, at that conference when it comes to marriage and couples and what we're doing as far as living a sacramental marriage, it's always wonderful to hear what, the, what, um, what you want to hear about or what interests you in your relationships. Today, uh, it's a follow-up show for my last couple shows. We talked a little bit about trauma two shows ago and the reality about that and the reality that as human beings, we're born into an imperfect world and we always, we can't always control what goes on around us. And based on our experiences in life, some of them can be traumatic, but then we have choices about what we want to do about that. We have choices in terms of, do I want to move forward and realize that I am much more important than any event that happens in my life? Or are we going to feel victimized by it? <clears throat> it's important to ask those questions because that's what we're going to bring into our relationships in the future. In our last show, we talked about how being in a marriage relationship or being in any relationship, really, you can apply it to friendships, to dating. Um, there's going to be times where we might not feel that the other person has our best interests at heart. And hopefully by the time we get into a marriage relationship, we do feel that the other person has our best interests at heart and that we have their best interests at heart more than anything else, because that's ultimately why we choose to get married, right? The idea, the idea of a sacramental marriage is that I'm going to put your best interest before mine with the understanding and the hope that you're putting my best interest before yours. If we can do that, then that's where you're going to have the most perfect of sacramental marriages. Now, being that we're human, we also have our vulnerabilities and we got to bring that to the table. We got to bring that to the table with each other because if we can't be vulnerable with each other in a sacramental marriage, then we're going to be missing a big part of what that means. We're not giving ourselves entirely to the marriage. Today's show, we're talking about intimacy. Why is this important? Because really that is where the marriage happens. That's where the sacrament of the marriage happens. That's where the communion happens, you know, and we can relate it to receiving communion in the Eucharist. We call Christ the bridegroom and our soul is the bride and Christ wants to be with us so intimate, so in such an intimate way <clears throat> that he's able to transform, to transfigure, to transubstantiate bread and wine into his own body and blood. And he's saying, I want you to consume this. I want to be so much a part of you that I want every one of our molecules to join and be one. 
Isn't that what we feel when we're dating in a dating relationship? When we get so excited about seeing the other person, when we say, where are you going to be? Where, where do you want to go? Let's make a date. Um, and we get so excited about this upcoming date. And maybe I'm having a bad day on Tuesday, but I have a date on Friday and I'm in school or something and I got to go to work. But Wednesday wasn't so good. But man, I'm looking forward to that date. And that makes everything that's bad during the week go away. And once I go to that date, I don't sit there and say, this is what I want to do. I say, I want to be with you. And what do you want to do? right? Where do you want to go? What are you in the mood for to eat? And yeah, I'm going to bring my thoughts to the table. Why I'd write, I'd like to do this or this or this. And we, and we kind of come to a compromise, but the idea is that we're going to be together on this date and we're going to be so happy just because each other's presence is so overwhelmingly enjoyable and happy that the state's going to be great. Something happens. We keep feeling this and we say, gosh, maybe we should get married. Because I want this love to keep going. I want this idea of love to keep going. And a lot of people will say, well, Dr. Sandoval, that's the infatuation phase. You know, a lot of people get married um, just because they're infatuated, but that's going to go away. Well, that's the problem right there. At some point, we let that go away. Because as we get to know the other person, we have to remember, yes, that infatuation has to mature into love. Meaning that I still can want to be in my partner's presence, but now I see them for who they are. Notice what I'm saying, I see them for who they are. I'm not waiting for them to see me, although that's what the expectation is, that's what they promised. But I need to start to see them for who they are first. And I bet you that if I start to do that, they're gonna mirror what I'm doing. If I bring my spouse gifts, she's gonna look for gifts for me. If I sit there and wait for my spouse to shower me with gifts, I might be waiting for a long time and then that's where we're gonna have the breakdowns in the marriage. Today we're talking a little bit about intimacy. And one of the things that I tell couples is by the time you come to me and say, you know, Intimacy is not there. Um, we haven't been intimate for years. I'll usually tell them the intimacy is not the problem. You don't, you're not intimate even before the physical intimacy. There's a problem with your emotional intimacy. There's a problem is when did you get divorced? When did you divorce your spouse? And what I mean by that is <clears throat> people say, what are you talking about? I'm not divorced. I'm still married. Well, you might be married on paper, but you're living, your actions are that of a divorce. And so the only thing you haven't done is signed the divorce papers, but are you speaking to each other? Are you living in separate rooms? Do you, or do you go weeks without speaking to each other? Because the divorce happens when I stop taking interest in my spouse. Notice that I didn't say the divorce happens when my spouse ignores me or leaves me or something along those lines. The divorce happens when I stop taking interest in my spouse and mutually. <clears throat> Here's the thing. I, let's, let, there's a caveat, of course. I always say this, I never expect anybody to be in, a, in an abusive relationship or a relationship where the spouse really has checked out, but did I do anything? Am I still showing interest in, in my spouse? Am I doing my part? And then if the other spouse doesn't want to, if, they, if they've uh, put up a stone wall, if they've roadblocked it, then yeah, they've chosen to live in a divorce. Have they stopped showing interest in me? They've chosen to divorce the marriage. And that's where you can say that annulments happen. Was this person mature enough to get in a marriage? Was I mature enough to get in a marriage? And we start looking at different things from the sacramental perspective. Why is there an annulment? Because the annulment really says, not that you didn't have a wedding. A lot of people focus on the wedding. Well, we got married. We had a wedding. Mm, okay. You can actually have a wedding and not be married. And what, why would that be the case? Because the wedding doesn't tell me that you were ready for a marriage. It tells me that you were ready for an event and anybody can have the event of the wedding, but not everybody is ready for marriage. Let's back up a little bit here and say, and look at the, at the topic at hand. If somebody's telling me, Dr. Sandoval, gosh, our relationship is already broken. And I know that there's a big red flag because we're not intimate anymore. Eh, let's let's go back and look at what what might have happened. 
<clears throat> I say this because I get a lot of different, uh, whenever I'm doing couples counseling, I get a lot of different emails, a lot of questions on this. So if this rings true to you or you feel like this is true to your relationship and if you sent me an email on this, trust me, I'm probably not picking on any one uh, email. This is common throughout and it happens, but the difference is that we just don't talk about it and I think it's time that we start to talk about it and discuss it. I picked a article that I'm going to attach to um, this video um, and the reason I picked an article is because that way you can see that you know, I'm not picking any one story in particular. Um, what I like about this article is that it goes through and it just says, you know, there's a lot of generic articles on relationships and, and love or being in a loveless marriage. This one's called 17 signs that you're in an unhappy or loveless marriage. I picked it from years ago on purpose because, you know, as human, as human beings, human nature doesn't change. And the issues with relationships are the same year after year after year. Why? Because men and women, God made us men and women and he made our psyches and our needs the same. And we have to make a choice as to whether we want to uh, make it work or not and look at what really does make it work. You know, there's been issues in relationships from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve, I'm sure. If you talk to them and said, how was your marriage? They'd probably say, I don't know, she didn't listen to me, or gosh, she should have listened to me, or why? Because that's how we are as men and women, not because it's not perfect. <clears throat> well, obviously we're not perfect because we are in an imperfect world, but because as men and women, we have to learn how to relate to each other. And where do we go wrong sometimes when I'm waiting for the other person to relate to me before I relate to them? So this article says 17 signs you're in an unhappy or loveless marriage. And unfortunately, the first one says you aren't having sex anymore. Now, the, I say unfortunately because... I don't think that that should be number one. I think that should be the very last one because by the time you get there, other things have gone wrong. So I'm actually going to start from the bottom up and I'm going to look at the different points that they're making all the way from point 17 and see how many of these are valid and see why it is that we get to the point where we're no longer physically intimate or we feel like physical intimacy is forced and it's no longer something that we're looking forward to. <clears throat> so one of them is saying, you feel you're being controlled. And this is true. This is where I always say, if the relationship at its most basic level is not one of giving to each other, but one of controlling, there's already a problem, you know? So when we go into a marriage, this is why parents will say, mm, I don't know that you, I like you and dating that person or out, or even friends will tell you, no, it's like they're making you do everything they do. They're not asking you about what you're doing, right? And so <clears throat> this is important because we want to make sure that both parties are interested in each other, not just, this is what I do and you have to do what I do. That's a problem. So on the one hand, are your needs being met? Is the person interested in you? Um, that is important, right? So we have to look at, is this person interested in, in are, are they courteous to me? Are they taking, paying attention in terms of if we're going to go on a date or something, are they asking me what I would like? Are they trying to get to know me? Because I'm going to make the effort to try to get to know them, but I also got to look at, are they trying to get to know me? This is just even at the most basic dating part. Assuming that that was in place when we got, when we were dating and we got married, <clears throat> can that go away? Yes. But the question is, why did it go away? Did I stop trying to get to know my, my spouse? Remember we get married young and as we get older, our tastes are going to change. We're going to, our bodies are going to change. Our minds are going to change. And we have to keep up with that with each other. And we got to say, where are you now? What are you doing now? How are you feeling now? Do you still like what we used to like when we were younger? Have your taste in food changed? <clears throat> Or am I just saying, no, this is how it's going to be because this is how it was when we got married and this is how it, and we're not changing anything. That could be an issue. We got to grow together and we got to change together. The next point says you're not each other's priority anymore. That's an important thing. Remember when we were dating, 
boy, my, my, whoever I'm dating, my, my girlfriend at the time, boy, they're going to be a priority, right? I'm going to want to be on the phone with them all day. I should hear my parents or somebody saying, get off the phone. Or back in the day before cell phones, it was about, you know, you can't use the phone. I'm waiting for phone calls. Now with cell phones, it's like there is constant communication, but that can't be healthy either. There's got to be a break too, where you're taking the time to, to grow yourself. But now assuming that we're married, now that we've decided, okay, we're spending our life together, am I making my spouse a priority? Am I waking up every day and saying, yes, I know what I need to do uh, for myself, but am I putting my spouse in my mind first? Am I saying, what am I going to do for my spouse today? How am I going to uh, make them a little bit happy? How am I going to make them feel special? Are they my priority? If they're not, if they're no longer my priority, that could be a problem. Now, why could that be? A lot of times if I feel like I'm not a priority, I'm going to hold back. And that's not part of the marriage. Now I'm going based on what I feel. I don't know what the other person's thinking. And a lot of times I'm waiting for them to read my mind, but I can't wait for that. I got to say, I'm going to make them a priority regardless of what's happening, regardless of what they're doing. And if I make them a priority, guess what? Usually the other person mirrors that too. If I say, Hey, how can I make you happy today? The other person's going to say, Whoa, wait a minute. You want to make me happy? Wow. Well, thank you. And you know, make it a point not to hold it over somebody's head and say, look at everything I did for you. But to say, hey, I know that you like this, and so I'm going to get you your favorite cookie or your favorite candy bar or, you know, your favorite drink or whatever it is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, find, I know that you really like to go to this place, so why don't we go there and hang out for a little while? we got to make that spouse a priority. Why? Because they're going to make us a priority in return, or at least it should be that way. This is an important one. Date nights are a thing of the past. That is a problem. I always tell people, when you get married, it's the longest date of your life. Date night should be the most, the biggest priority ever. You know, you, you could be having a bad week, but boy, that date's going to bring you up and, and you're going to feel so happy and all the cares of the world are going to go away. And if that's not happening anymore, then we've got to ask ourselves why. We're going to look at that more when we come back from the break as we continue to talk about how can we have a healthy relationship and bring intimacy back into our marriage. All right, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on this one Thursday afternoon. <clears throat> and I hope you're having a great day today. Um, you know, we are in the month of February, and the month of February is the month of the Holy Family. So I think it's wonderful that we're discussing um, these events or these topics on um family, on relationships, on marriage, because ultimately that's our model. That's who we want to live our married life like. And it doesn't always feel that way. It gets, it gets challenging um, over time to really put each other first and to break down those barriers. Believe it or not, people see that we start building up walls and we start stop being vulnerable with each other. And that can be a problem. That can be a marriage breaker, a relationship breaker, and an intimacy breaker. And today, we're, in particular, we're talking about uh, intimacy. And we're talking about what makes it so that we get to the point where there's no longer any physical intimacy in marriage, or it becomes awkward, or it becomes a source of contention. And like I always tell people, usually there's a lot of things that went wrong before we get there. Just a reminder to our listeners, if you haven't been, if you're just tuning in, we are going to have our conference on marriage and families. Uh, that's going to be Saturday, May 7th, uh, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Uh, it's going to be from 9 to 4. I'm going to be one of the speakers uh, discussing different topics on marriage and family, along with Terry Barber and Mary Danielle. 
Um, so we're going to have some great talks. I think it's going to be a great conference and we always get something out of it. If anybody has any ideas for topics they would want to hear or points to be made, uh, feel free to email us at doctor, that's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. Or you can go on to uh, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, register for the conference, and you can also send us messages there if there's anything you'd like to discuss. <clears throat> Today, before the break, we were talking about um, relationships and what, what kind of different things are break down the relationship. I'm going through an article, and it's an older article, and the reason I picked that was because, you know, these issues are are eternal. So it doesn't matter. I'm sure that if I picked up an article from the from the beginning of time until now, are, are the way we relate to each other as men and women is unchanging. Um, and that's why the commandments work. That's why God um, sees us for who we are, because over time, it's always the same questions. It's always um, the same issues that come up. If you notice among teenagers, uh, among adults and from different generations, we're always trying to figure out how can we make a better relationship? How can I be better loved? How can I be better seen by my spouse? And the answer to that really is by myself, uh, seeing my spouse first. And so one of the topics from this article was saying, how do you know if you're in a, in a relationship that's not working out well? You know, it lists a lot of different topics. Again, number one, it said that there was no sexual intimacy, but by the time we get there, it's because a lot of other things happened. So <clears throat> I was on the last point. It said date nights are a thing of the past. And it makes another point, point 13 for them is you don't like spending quality time together. And that's where I think both things are, are kind of intertwined. Those two topics are kind of one of the same for me, because when you do like spending quality time together, when you put each other first and you say, boy, um, you know, people say, oh, keep that spark alive. Well, remember at one point, that's all that mattered was your spouse. At one point, hopefully before you entered the marriage, you were so enthralled and so consumed by your spouse or your future spouse that <clears throat> all you wanted to do was go on dates and go out and have fun and, and just talk about life. And when, when does that end? When, when do we decide that that's not a priority anymore? Because we start to get comfortable. We stop being vulnerable. We stop talking to each other because we assume that the other one knows and we stop saying, Hmm, you know what? I want to learn more about my spouse. And the most exciting thing is that we're going to be changing. And the whole point is I'm going to be changing with them and I'm going to be take interest in them. One of the big problems that happens is, is the next point those are point number 12 is you're going to your friends instead of your partner. When do we start making other people a priority over my spouse? We got to ask ourselves this because this is important. It's important to have friends and it's important to have people you speak to. But I think it's always important to remember I married my spouse. I married them. I, I, and the fact that I married them is because I want to spend time with them. Yes, I might have different topics of conversation that I'm going to speak to with different people. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> if something comes up, if something's important, I better be talking to my spouse first. Or that could be a sign that am I making them that priority? Am I making them number one in my life? They, they have to be that if I want them to make me number one in their life. It's not going to make sense otherwise, right? If I don't tell them everything that's going on in my life and then later on I hold it against them that, you know, they don't see me for who I am. Well, how are they going to see me for who I am if I'm holding back what I'm really feeling or if I'm not explaining to them what's going on inside of me or in my life or in my work life or anything like that? Um, I can't hold that against them. I can't say that they don't make an effort to know me because... I have to give them something to know as well. And I can't wait for them to figure it out. I got to let them know what's going on in my life. It's like when we were dating, gosh, I would call, you know, my wife up and I would say, Hey, this is what's going on. What are you doing this weekend? What are we going to be doing? It was a, definitely a team effort and that's how it's got to continue. It gets a little bit harder. You know, you start having kids, you start having different focuses in life. You got to make that effort. It's got to be an effort that we, we make for each other. 
The next topic here says you're on the verge of having an emotional affair. And this is where it gets a little bit harder because all of a sudden the door opens up to flirtation, to flirting with other people. And you're actually heading down the road of having a real affair um, because all of a sudden you're holding back from your spouse. Something seems more exciting. And this is where we got to bring prayer in Christ into our lives, into our married life, because once we start doing that, then it gets dangerous. <clears throat> then we start saying, hang on a second, what are you doing? You know, you're sharing your emotions with someone else. Why? Because it feels good, because it feels exciting, because it feels new. Well, how would you feel about your spouse doing that and saying, oh, it feels good, it feels new with someone different? I don't think you'd be too happy about that. What's the solution? I got to keep showing interest in my spouse and I got to, and if my feelings are changing, my emotions are new or something along those lines. I got to share that with my spouse. That's how we keep our relationship new. You know, as we get older, we're not the same. We might not have the same interests that we did when we were younger. Some of them might continue. Some of them might change. But I got to bring that to my spouse. And guess what? Our life is going to keep uh, being new every day. You know, we have to start asking ourselves, <clears throat> am I making it? Uh, am I spicing up the emotional part of my relationship? You know, am I joking around? Am I making that effort? Okay, let's look at the next one. The next one says, you don't feel heard. Um, and this is where I always say, it might be that you don't feel heard, but are you listening? At the same time, if you don't feel heard, does your spouse know that? You know, I'm not going through what the, what the article says because I'm sure that the article is going to give us everyday things. I'm thinking of this from a sacramental perspective and from a therapy perspective as something I would tell couples because a lot of times the couples will say, I don't feel heard. I don't feel like they're hearing me. And my question is, well, what are you telling them? You know, how do you know that they're not hearing you out? Are you coming home right after work when they're, or when they come home right after work, or you both met after a big event and before anybody can relax or anybody, do you get right into an emotional conversation? Probably not the best time to do that. That can be overwhelming. If I want to he feel heard, I'm going to sit down with my spouse. I'm going to ask him how they're doing. And we're going to share stories. And I might tell them, Hey, I need you to listen to me on something. This is important. Um, and I want them to do the same. And then I'm going to sit there and say, well, is there anything that you feel that you need to be heard about? This is how we are, we're vulnerable with each other. And this is what's going to bring that intimacy back. Why would any of this break down physical intimacy? Because why in the world would I be physically intimate with somebody who I feel is not being emotionally intimate with me, or I feel I can't be emotionally intimate with the idea of the physical intimacy. It doesn't get more intimate with that in marriage, right? This is why it's a sacramental marriage. We're actually sharing our bodies. There is nothing to hide at that point. We're sharing our bodies with each other. There is no greater physical intimacy than, than, than the sexual sacrament of marriage, than the marital debt, as we call it. We can call it many different, many different things, the conjugal relationships of marriage, whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, that is the most intimate moment, the most sacred moment of the marriage relationship. How in the world am I going to be physically intimate with somebody where they have to see or when we, when we join our naked bodies together, the, there's nothing there to hide. If I'm hiding something emotionally, if I'm not emotionally vulnerable, how can I be that physical, physically vulnerable? That's going to be really hard to do. Okay. So the other one is, um, point number nine says you have one or more of the big intimate relationship destroyers. <clears throat> and what they're talking about is they're saying that you're always attacking, blaming, or putting fault on your spouse and doing negative statements. This is an important point that the article does make. Uh, when we say things like you're always running late, you never do anything right. You know, that's where we're no longer seeing our spouse for who they are because we could be running late or we could not do things right. The never is the always, that's very damaging. You know, one of the things that is very damaging in relationships, especially if the spouse has any um, mental illness or is uh, being treated for 
um, say depression or anxiety and they're on medication, one of the very damaging things that somebody can say is, did you take your pills? That's not a very fair argument unless we're doing it in a caring way. I hear that a lot in, in our therapy sessions with people. Um, and I always tell them, you can't hold that against somebody because if somebody's feeling sad or anxious, you can't, you know, it's, it's very easy to say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about because you're crazy. Well, remember, you're talking to your spouse. This is a person you chose. Are you going to use that vulnerability against them and bring them down? What good does it do me to bring down my spouse? How's that going to make me happy later? Or how's that going to uh, build our relationship? The question is, what's the goal? Am I trying to be right? If I'm always trying to be right, what good does that do me? All of a sudden, am I trying to win an argument? That's a problem. It's not about winning an argument. I want to share my point of view. And if I feel that I have the correct point of view about something, that's great. You know, that's wonderful. <clears throat> but I want to discuss it. I want to share why I think I have the correct point of view. And sometimes we can have different points of view. And that's what makes our relationship great. If we always agreed on everything, that would be challenging. We better agree on the big things. You know, we better agree on our faith. We better agree on how we're going to raise our children. We better agree on uh, a lot of different things along those lines. But the little things in life, you know, your favorite colors, the best place to hang out, the best book to read. Those are the things that I hope that they, we have some separate interests because I want to share in your interests. If our interests are identical, that's no good. If I'm going to bring my spouse down, how did that help my relationship long term? If I'm going to tell them that they're always this or always that, or am I going to look at that vulnerability and say, yeah, they tend to be late a lot. Or am I going to, eh, eh, but can I help them out? Can I tell them, hey, look, let's, I want to get there on time. What can I help you with so that, we, so that you know, we can leave the house on time? What can I do so that we can assure that? And then that's great. You know, that's where we look at the, each other's weaknesses and we bring them up. That being said, you know, so the last point was that we bring our spouse down. This is an important point that this article actually makes and I tell spouses this. The point is that this can actually hurt the relationship is if you stop, it says if you stop fighting. I would dare say if you stop engaging because fighting can take on different uh, meanings. One of the problems with fighting is are you in, you know, yelling at each other? Are you in physically damaging relationships? Are you know, are there drugs involved, things like that? That's not, not healthy. What this says, it says you've stopped fighting. I'd say you stop engaging. And, and engaging, you can say fighting, I would dare say, sharing our points of view and being adamant about our points of view, but respectfully listening to the other person, respectfully understanding that we can have different points of view. That tells me that the person's engaged. They say, we're always arguing. Oh, well, at least you're engaged. When you stop arguing and you go to each other's corners, that could lead to a little bit of an emotional divorce. And that could be a problem that's going to lead to divorce and intimacy. We're going to talk more about that when we come back from the break. All right. Welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you're just tuning into our show today, we are talking about marriage and intimacy uh, and what really goes wrong in the marriage. What happens that we get to the point where there's no physical intimacy or physical intimacy is something that we're dreading or something we're not looking forward to or something that we feel is just a duty, a chore, um, then that becomes a problem, right? And so what is it that got us to that point? Why are we there? And what do we do about it? How do we bring that physical intimacy back? 
we're looking at an article that talks about different points that show that there could be trouble in your relationship. And I said, this article in particular, um, lists physical intimacy as the number one. If, if you're no longer physically intimate, that could be the first sign that your relationship's in trouble. And I say that that's the last sign that your relationship's in trouble because a lot had to have happened <clears throat> emotionally, mentally before there was a lack of physical intimacy. So we've been going through some points and I'm going to keep finishing up this article. And then we're going to talk about how do we bring that intimacy back? You know, in the last few minutes here of, of our last segment, um, is it that simple that we can just talk about it in a few minutes? Actually, yes, it is. Uh, if you go to the, you know, like I said, these issues with relationships, they've been going on since the beginning of time. If you go to any bookstore, uh, I know that most people buy their books online nowadays anyway, but back in the day, if you went to the bookstore or library and you look at relationship section, help, self-help section, there's so many books on that. And that tells you there's no one uh, solution. And if we're going to turn to modern day society and, and the advice people give, but the only solution in a sacramental marriage, if you truly want to make a marriage work, you got to bring Christ into the marriage. And I'm going to, and I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. A lot of people say, Oh yeah, we roll our eyes and we think it's so simple, but no, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about what that means and how, how to implement that. And it's simple things that we have to do. It's not as simple as just saying, well, I'm going to pray our father for our marriage. If we had enough faith in that and we, and we brought our heart to that, then it would work. But sometimes we need to see a little bit more. Sometimes our faith isn't um, such that, gosh, I'm going to pray in our father. And if, if my spouse doesn't change, well, then God meant doesn't want us to be together. That can be a very quick solution, especially if we're hurt or if we're feeling like we are, are vulnerable and there's nothing that can be that can be uh, helped. And so that can be challenging. But let's keep reading here a few quick points to make. And then we're going to get into the important part of how do we bring this back? So before the break, we were talking about if you're no longer arguing, if you're no longer fighting, that can be a challenge. If you're no longer sharing different points of view where you're saying, no, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm not saying to the extreme, but it's an important position to take. Why? Because it's, you're still engaging. You still want the other person to hear you out and you want to be heard by each other. Yes, ideally, I want to hear my spouse first before I get them to hear my point. <clears throat> but my point's also important. We got to remember that we do have value and, and because we get married doesn't mean that we lose our value. This is why it's important to know what kind of trauma, what kind of things happen in our past that we bring to the marriage table because I better bring a good sense of self-esteem. I better bring a good sense of self to this uh, to this relationship if I'm going to care for the other person and see what's best for them um, because my uh, emotions matter too and I got to recognize that. I got to recognize that. I am coming into this relationship maturely because I want what's best for you, but I've also understood what's best for myself. And this is why it works because we're going to be there for each other. So other points that this article makes says you fantasize about a life without your spouse. So that could be a challenging issue. If you're already picturing getting your own apartment or, or living somewhere else, that could be an issue. Normally it's more of a sign that, you know, it, it's really hard to live with the other person or I'm at a point where I don't feel hurt and I, I'm only going to, take care of myself. And that's, notice that we're headed towards giving up on the marriage. We're headed towards, um, we're no longer engaged with the other person. Now I'm going to live my own life. And that can be a problem. Why? Because I'm hurt. Well, have I hurt the other person? Have I taken the time to ask them, you know, if they feel hurt? And if we're feeling hurt together, then maybe we can fix that together. Um, the next point was just the distance between you keeps growing and you're waiting to get help. Notice that as I go through these, these seem like a logical progression. And this article does it in reverse. 
Um, you're preoccupied with other people's needs and problems. How many times do we see this where spouses, one of the, one of the spouses will say, no, I have to go to the church group and I have to go, um, I've joined this other group and I've done this other thing. And, and these are all very important things. And we put other things in front of our marriage relationship. You know, I remember I worked at a parish one time and one of the priests, uh, told the lady, you can't come clean the church anymore. You got to go home and spend time with your husband. And she was very upset about that. And he said, no, you got to put your marriage first. You're spending way too much time here. And what about your kids and your spouse? And she was trying to get away from a difficult situation. Uh, she wasn't necessarily in an abusive relationship, but they just weren't getting along. And she found more peace outside of the house, but that was not going to be peaceful for her family long-term. She didn't want to deal with what was going on in her family. And that and that's really hard. You know, that's not part of the marriage. Part of the marriage issue or part of the marriage sacrament is that it's not always going to be easy. It's not always easy to to stop and be vulnerable and talk to the spouse and let them know that, hey, things aren't working well. But if we leave the the environment and and we don't deal with it, that can be a real problem because that's going to be further damaging. Um, There's other points here in the article that's making um, that are kind of a little bit redundant. Uh, You're with each other, but not really with each other. You have nothing to say to each other. And notice that it progresses that way. And then finally, their number one is you're not having sex anymore. But they went the opposite way of what I did. Because, you know, obviously in society, this is more important to say, oh, you're not having sex with the big red flag. I'd say you've already gone through many things that have broken down the relationship. And that is why you're no longer physically intimate. And now it gets awkward. Now it gets to this point where, gosh, you don't initiate, I don't initiate. And then, you know, six years later, seven years later, two years later, somebody decides I'm going to try. And then the other person's not ready. Well, why would I expect them to be ready after such a long time? How do we even have this conversation? If there is a dry spell, if there is a brokenness in our marriage, how do we even initiate this conversation? I don't want to be wrong, right? I don't want to be the one who's vulnerable and then the other person rejects me because guess what? Even though we're married, this is why I say it's the longest date possible because we're still kind of in a date. We could still be rejected. We could still feel bad. We could still feel like, you know, nothing's keeping this person from walking out of this place or, or walking out on me other than our sense of duty to each other through our sacrament or my sense of sacrament. So I said, we got to bring Christ into the marriage. But what does that mean? <clears throat> well, Dr. Sandoval, you just said I can't go spend all day in church. How is that going to help me be physically intimate with my spouse? That's what you're telling me about. I need to bring Christ into the marriage. What does that, how do, how does that look? One, we do have to pray. We do have to bring Christ into the church. Are we living a sacramental life? That's the first thing we have to ask ourselves. Um, and are we encouraging our spouse to live a sacramental life? Not berating our spouse, but encouraging them. Sometimes we have to start by our example. So let's start there because <clears throat> if we do reach out to our spouse, I can't guarantee that if there's been a long time or a long uh, period of a dry spell where we haven't been speaking or haven't been intimate with each other, um, that they're not going to turn that away because they're going to feel hurt. And if I say, gosh, we need to sit down and we need to fix this relationship, it's not going to work that way. Here's what I would recommend. I think we have to be honest and we have to be simple. And what I mean by simple, I don't mean, I don't mean simple in a simplistic sense, if that makes sense. I mean, simple is we got to make it easy. It's not that complex. We're still men and women. We still have feelings and emotions. And if you remember when we were dating, it was the simple things that made us happy. It didn't take a big thing for, for me to be happy uh, when I was dating. It, it was something simple. All you needed to know is, oh my gosh, they were thinking of me. Oh my goodness. How do we do that? It can be as simple as just dropping a little note to our spouse and saying, hey, I miss you. Leave it at that. Don't say much else. Don't make it out to be a bigger deal than it is. Keep it simple. But you know that you've already affected them in some way. You're reaching out and saying, I miss you, which tells me a whole lot of things. 
you know, leave a little note there. You don't even have to say it with your, with your mouth. You don't have to sit down and say it. You just leave a little note and say, I miss you. <clears throat> Let them read it. Let it sit there. Wait a couple days. Let's see if they respond at all. And then you write another little note. I love you. And make sure that they read it or make sure that they find it in a place and let it sit there for a few days. Don't hold it over their head. Go about your life thinking about what's the next note I'm going to write to them. None of these notes are going to be about how I'm hurt. None of these notes are going to be about how you've, how you're terrible. They're going to be all about how can I make this positive? What do I want to hear my spouse tell me? That's what I'm going to tell them. You're very special to me. Leave that little note. Wait a few days. If you haven't been speaking, you're starting to communicate. There's different ways we communicate. It doesn't just have to be with words. Walk by, pick up their hand and give them a kiss and walk away and leave it at that. Let that sit for a little while. Let that percolate because guess what? If there's been pain for a long time, we're not going to fix it overnight. This is where we need to think about, has there been any trauma in our life? Is there a safe environment? I need to create a safe environment for my spouse to feel safe, that they can be vulnerable and they're not going to be judged. I'm not going to be worried about me being judged. And in fact, I'm going to put a roadblock to anything that I feel judged. If they say something, I'm going to kind of block that part out and say, I don't know about all that. All I know is that I love you and that I want to make you feel safe. And then it's going to come. They're going to stop and they're going to look at that and we're going to have conversations. It's going to work. If it doesn't work, we got to give it, you know, then we got to ask ourselves what's going on in the marriage. Did I make my, my effort? Did I put in the effort? Because by the time I get to a counselor, by the time I get to a priest, by the time, if unfortunately we're getting to the point where we're deciding, gosh, we have to annul this marriage. It's not going to be a good relationship. Anything along those lines. I hope that you have made an effort. I hope that you could say, this is everything I did to, to make my spouse feel good about themselves because that's what I promised I would do when we got married. This is what I did. That's what that's. I, I took every effort I could. Guess what? If you start doing those little things, the person's going to want to spend time with you too, right? We're going to start to remember what our spouse is like, was like before, and we're going to see them for who they are now. Something as simple as just sitting next to them and saying, I enjoy spending time with you. Or we can acknowledge certain things. I'm sorry that we haven't been nice to each other. I can sit there and say, gosh, I'm sorry that you're such a jerk. That's not going to build the, how's that going to build my marriage? How's that going to make it any better? We're supposed to be a team. If I go over to a teammate and tell them how bad they are at a sport, I don't think that's going to make it any better. Or I could tell them, you know what, gosh, I think that the way that you made that play wasn't, I see that you could do, if you just turn your leg this way, your foot this way, boy, you can get that play. You can jump much higher. Try that out. But the other person has to be open to it too. The other person's not going to be open to it if they're constantly being berated or if they're told that they're no good. Because why? I'm not going to be open to anything if I'm being told I'm no good. It's not going to work that way. Where does this lead to physical intimacy? Because now I'm emotionally vulnerable. If somebody tells me things like, you're beautiful, you're beautiful to me. I love how you, how you smile. I forgot how beautiful your eyes were. I liked how you turned your head the other day. I loved you more yesterday because of this. I keep loving you more every day. You're important to me because of this. I remember when we did this before we got married. Remember how we laughed at this joke. These could all just be little notes that we're not even saying to each other. That we're just dropping off. I bet you the other person might start writing notes back to you. And all of a sudden we can have moments where we start thinking of the other person. Somebody's not going to think of me if I don't show them that I'm thinking of them. These are the important things that are going to lead back to that intimacy. And then who's going to initiate that physical intimacy? God's going to initiate that physical intimacy. He's going to prompt us. Jesus is going to say, you brought love back into your marriage. And guess what? Now we want to be with each other. Why? Because I focused on my spouse and I stopped focusing on myself. 
again, if there's an abusive relationship, if there's something dangerous, I want you to get out. I want you to get help. You reevaluate it. See if that's a relationship you need to be in. If you're in danger, get out of it. But if there's a relationship that has kind of gone by the wayside, if we stop being intimate with each other because there's a lot of hurt and pain and vulnerability, we have to create a safe environment for each other over time where we feel loved and we feel listened to. But I got to start by listening to my spouse. If I start by them wanting them to listen to me, it might not work that way. It might not be that simple. I got to remember to love them and expect that love in return, hope for that love in return, which is going to build that marriage. If you have any questions, feel free to email me and hopefully we'll see you back here next week on the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Don't forget our conference, May 7th, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. You can sign up there. Until next time, Dr. Louis Sandoval.